seen it called Cast Away. It was uh, a nominee for a great award, and in it, it had Tom Hanks playing Chuck Nolan. Chuck Nolan was an executive with FedEx, and he was tra traveling on a company plane. It went down in South America. Everyone died except him. He was the lone survivor, and he ended up on a deserted island. And for four years, he had to figure out how to make it, how to last, how to survive. And one of the things he did uh, in the midst of his loneliness was he was able to find a Wilson volleyball, a volleyball brand named Wilson, and he painted a face on the front of it and gave it a name, Wilson. And he endeared himself to Wilson, and in his mind, Wilson endeared himself to him, and he put him up on a post, and he would ask Wilson questions, and he would laugh with Wilson, and he, he would grieve with Wilson over the fact that no one could find them. There was a special relationship between him and Wilson, and he built this raft to leave the island, to escape, to find civilization, hoping that someone would find him, and he packed up Wilson's vision. He ran into some tumultuous weather, and, and waves crashed against his man-made raft, and Wilson rolled right off of the raft to be lost. And in the movie, he just weeps and grieves, and sadness overcomes him because he feels lonely again. Let's pray again. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit abides with us. We are never alone. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit lived out in the people of God, in the body of Christ. And we are never alone. And so reaffirm that truth for us today. That we are here for each other as the church. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As human beings, we are social creatures by nature. There's something within the human spirit which craves human belonging. Consciously or unconsciously, we gravitate toward relationships with individuals or groups resulting from a basic need to belong to something or someone. Something beyond ourselves. And this is evident in our participation in civic groups in clubs, in teams, in the midst of our community. This trait is evident more intimately and informally in families, peer groups, what we would call the company we keep. And like most things, influences from our associations help to form who we become, both positively and in some cases adversely. Maybe that is why a mother suggests when her son heads towards the car with his keys on Friday night to go to a gathering with friends, she says, don't forget who you are and who you belong to.
it's a reminder that there is a connectedness and there is a, an accountability and there is a relationship with family. She affirms that timeless reality that relationships come with privileges and with responsibilities. And I believe Paul understood that as he wrote the church at Thessalonica. This was one of his earliest epistles. And like so many epistles, Paul writes in plural form, what I call plural form, more than just to the single individual, he's speaking to the community. And he addresses the whole community, and he has an overriding concern for the identity and integrity of that community. And one of the reasons why he writes these letters, I believe, is as he establishes these churches, he knows that the proclaimed message has been heard, but he's not sure that they've really grasped what he has said. Uh, he, has, he has the recognition that they have received the word, but just failed to take hold of it. And so his message in this fifth chapter of Thessalonians is one that is very clear. You belong to one another. He's saying to the community of Christ at Thessalonica, you belong to one another. Now sometimes that can be difficult for us in the Western culture. Uh, we find that difficult to understand. In the Western culture, we're very individualized as a culture. And we've created an unhealthy isolation that stems from our love for technology. I mean, it's no mistake. We don't own Wii phones or Wii pads, but we own iPads and iPhones. And part of that is because in the Western culture, that's a great marketing line because for so many of us, it's all about me and me as the individual. Even as a Christian in the Western culture, we come to the text and a lot of times we'll say, which is an okay thing in our spiritual development, but so often we come and we say, what is the message for me? What can I get out of this? We do it as a church. We come into the life of the church, and, and maybe we visit a church, and we become a part of it, and then one day we, we see people leave for various reasons, and maybe we hear something like, well, I left the church because I was not getting fed. And, and so it, it becomes a very individualized perspective on our faith instead of a very community-based I enter into a community to serve others. And so we enter into this passage today recognizing Paul's affirmation that we truly belong to one another. And while Christianity has embedded in it the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and oh, how we need that for our eternal security and for abundant life in this world, there is a call upon our lives to have it lived out in Christian community. And so when we give our lives to Christ, we make a covenant before the church, a very significant promise that we will be there for 
of his people. Do you remember where the covenant was established between God and Israel? And he said, and I make a covenant with you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. You see, a, a mutual commitment of belonging to one another. The New Testament is full of one another and the phrase each other. In fact, there's 103 references to one another in the New Testament, in the NIV version. Look at your message notes with me this morning, and you'll find the litany of them. Love one another, honor one another, accept one another, agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions. Greet one another with the holy kiss. I like to use that one with Delia. Uh, serve one another. Carry each other's burdens. Encourage each other daily. And do not slander one another. This morning, I, I just want to highlight a few of the themes from Paul's uh, letter to the uh, Thessalonica, uh, the Thessalonians, as he says to them, be about each other. And the first one is encourage one another. In verse 11 he says, so continue encouraging one another, building each other up, just like you are doing already. To encourage means simply to impart courage. When you become an encouraging person, you are giving the gift of courage to someone that maybe doesn't have it. Like into the conversation I shared earlier, at one of the churches where I served, I remember having a conversation with a young man, a young father, and they were going to have to relocate. And he said, you know, Tim, we're going to miss our neighborhood and we're going to miss our school. Our friends have become dear to us, but the hardest thing to leave behind is the church. And I said, why is that? He said, these people have been present for me at every critical juncture in my life. They attended our wedding. They offered prayers for us when we faced infertility. And when we were able to adopt our Sunday school class <clears throat> through a baby shop, they were loyal as a cheering section when we really needed them most. They were our encouragement. Encourage one another and build each other up. One of the wonderful benefits of being in the body of Christ, belonging to one another, we find courage. But we also find the challenge before us that when we are a family, it's important to keep peace. Be at peace with one another. The scripture says, brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you leading you, instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Get this, live in peace with each other. He also says in this particular scripture, do not repay evil for evil. Paul directs his message towards the community. And it's no mistake that we find in the word community, the word unity at the end. He's saying have unity is a mindset. God is pleased by it. Others are moved by it. Even when we disagree, we are reminded that we belong to one another. 
to a church where they had to make a very uh, challenging and difficult decision. And a vote came up. It had to do with their future and how they would move through the future, uh, into the future in terms of ministry. And, and so we had a church conference where anyone could come and anyone could vote that was an active member. And there were some sensitivities around the issue. And when it was presented on that day, a lot of information had preceded that day, but when it was presented, the vote was taken, and it was 113 to 17 in those that showed up. An overwhelming vote. And I remember months later, a married couple, longtime members, they had raised their children there, their grandchildren went there, and they said to me in my office, Tim, you know you probably know we voted against that measure that was put before the church. And I said, I, I suspected that. And they said, well, we just want you to know that even though we voted against this project, as our pastor, we want you to know that we go with the decision of the church. While we voted with the minority, we trust the collective wisdom greater congregation. And so we're going to help fund this. We're going to stand when groundbreaking takes place. And you will find us continuing to participate because we love this church. You know, and I thought that's what it means to be at peace with one another. It doesn't mean that we have to agree about everything, but it means that there's a spirit of unity on what matters most. And others look at us as a church, and, and they, they watch to see how we handle our disagreements. And so, encourage one another, build one another up, live in peace with one another. And so his message is not just to the individual, it's to the community as a whole. And he says, as you're the body of Christ, as you belong to something very, very significant, be about these things, and then another, one another comes up, do good to one another. Do good to one another. Look at verse 15. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Do good to one another. <coughs> I saw this displayed in my own life. Back about seven years ago, my mother diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Mom and Dad live in central Kentucky, and, uh, and so that's a good, good way. It's a good nine-hour drive for me to get there, and I'm an only child. And, and so wanting to be supportive of Dad as a caregiver, being compassionate to Mom, that she moved through the stages of cancer, and she lost the battle with it. But there were some victories. We had some victories as a family together. There were some precious moments that God brought out of all of that. But one of the, the beautiful things that, that I will always remember is how my church where I was serving said, Tim, you're our pastor. You look after our needs so often. We want you to be a pastor to your own family. We want you to minister to your own family. And so they pooled together and they got some frequent flyer tickets and they had some money put together and they allowed me to fly about once every two weeks for a, a lengthy period to go be with mom. 
You see, for me, i got to tell you, the church knew how to, to do good. And I have seen that in this church. Uh, a while back, I, I know there was a, a situation that was very difficult for you all as a congregation where a father and a husband uh, had a medical situation, an event, uh, where he was not able to, to function. He was hospitalized for a number of months, and he was a manager at Kroger's. And Camille, who's here in the church, the widow, she talks about how the church was the church to that family, to her family, and to her children. And she wrote a letter to the staff, and I was able to see it uh, after it had been written, because all of this preceded me. And she talked about how good God was. And she expressed great gratitude for the wonderful ways in which God worked and the ways you worked. And so there was this spirit of thankfulness. But it didn't just end there. The last part of the email described how those who were looking upon her life that had no relationship with Martha Bowman Church, who had no relationship with the church at all, were puzzled. They were amazed at the care and compassion that this congregation showed. They were puzzled by how a church, how a congregation could give so freely of their time and their financial resources without asking for anything in return. That's the church. To do good. And so we encourage one another. We are peaceable with one another. And we do good with one another. And this allows us, as Paul says, to live in a kind of community that's characterized by rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving. Some of you may have heard the story, and I think it's a wonderful word picture, of what it means to be with one another as the church. And, and I, I think about Jimmy and, and Betty and their story. And it's the story uh, related to children of special needs and the Special Olympics. And maybe you've heard the story of, of Mary and how Mary was at the starting line. It was a Special Olympics event, and she was at the starting line with other children, uh, some older than her, some younger than her, uh, some more physically capable than she was, some less, uh, different ages, and, and, and the idea was that they would dash in this relay. And the, the pistol sound, and off they go. And they're running. And Mary's doing pretty well. And, and in her in her stagger, in her stumbling, she gets a good ways out there, and, and she falls. And, and the other kids could see it, and, 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 and she stuffed her knee and, and, and banged up her leg, and, and she's still there, and a bunch of them pass, and then finally one of them says, Mary's down! Mary's down! They all stopped right where they were. Some were making good headway. But they all stopped, and they turned back around and ran to Mary, came to Mary, picked Mary up, shoulder to shoulder, 
they return running towards the finish line. There was the victory. They did it together. It wasn't an individual sport per se at that moment. It was a team sport. So it is for us as a church as we give to the life of the church in terms of our financial resources, as we stand next to a casket where someone has lost a loved one, when we pray for somebody over the phone who's lost their job and they don't know where that next paycheck is coming, when a marriage is strained and other couples come and circle them and pray for them, that's what it means to be with one another. So we're the church. And we take that seriously. Somebody asked me not long ago, they said, you know, Tim, I, I buried both parents. This church, Arthbone Church, has been so important to me. And I don't know how I got through it, but I got through it. And, uh, and I don't know how people do it without the church. I just don't know how they do it without the church. And I said, you know, they do it. They just don't do it very well. They'll get through it. But they won't do it well. And they won't have the kind of encouragement, the peaceful, the peaceable relationships, and the do-gooders in their lives like you will. Isn't it good to be a part of the body of Christ? That's a good word for all of us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That may be that today you want to celebrate that you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of this community of faith, you belong to Martha Bowman, Martha Bowman Church. You may want to come and celebrate that, just give thanks and kneel at the altar and pray unto the Lord. It may be that today you've been praying about uniting with this church, and you know a community of faith is critical to the success of your discipleship. We invite you to come as we sing our final.